Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. The best way to succeed is to have a specific intent, a clear vision, and a plan of action and the ability to maintain clarity. Those are the four pillars of success. It never fails. And that is a quote by Steve Maraboli from Life, the Truth, and Being Free. And our guest loves talking about those four pillars. But before we get started, I'm wondering if you would like to know my secrets to how I sell three to seven wall portraits and an album almost every time to my portrait clients. Well, I have an online course. It's called the Profitable Photographer Sales Academy, and it's the perfect way to learn those strategies. It's a six-week program that covers my step-by-step system, and it helps you have amazing sales, develop the confidence, and have super happy clients that see you as their trusted advisor. So if you want to learn more about that, you can email me at lucy at lucydumas.com, or you can go to lucydumascoaching.com. Remember Lucy with an I and just get in touch that way. So anywho, thanks again for tuning in to The Profitable Photographer. And let me tell you a little about our guest. Well, I am super, super excited to talk to Joey Thomas today, my guest. And the way that we connected is that I had posted a question on Facebook. And the question was, can your prices be too high? I most frequently when I'm coaching am working with people to help them have more confidence raising their prices. But every now and then somebody is having trouble booking and they've made a decision to set their pricing up in a way that is pretty, pretty high end. And I just want to see what other smart people in this industry had to say about that balance between your pricing and your, your branding and, and everything. And Joey said, oh, I've got these four pillars. And I was like, I want to know more pillar. And I was like, I want to know about those four pillars. So I said, hey, Joey, you want to be on my show? Okay, so who is this guy? First off, he's an award-winning, nationally published entrepreneur, photographer, speaker, and editor. He also co-owns a company called Serendipity Albums and Joey T Photography and Master Crafted Workshops. And he has a background in psychology and education, which gives him a unique understanding of the why of sales and business. So thank you, Joey, for saying yes, 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 to being on my show today. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. I really appreciate it. It's such an honor to be here. And, you know, anywhere that, uh, especially in today's climate and and the ways small businesses have been, really having to pivot, I'm always happy to come on and just discuss uh, some of these things. So thank you so much for having me. 
You're welcome. So can you give me just a, like the 60 second version of where the heck you came from? And first of all, where do you, <laughs> where do you live now? I'm and actually then... based uh, in Dallas, Texas right now. Um, oh. I, I basically, you know, my career, my, my album company uh, started it all in Houston. And so the album company is still based down in Houston, but, but now I'm in Dallas. And so you got in photography because your grandmother gave you a camera or <laughs> you, you right. painted or, you know, what, just a little, a little quickie about Absolutely. how you got into this. You know, um, at first I never even realized how much I enjoyed photography. I was the kid um, at weddings with my dad who would take his camera. We'd always come in late for a wedding and we'd sit in the back and I would take my dad's camera and I would run up. And I, I remember doing this when I'm like eight, right? Mm -hmm. I would run up and I would be at the front and hiding behind the photographer and trying to get pictures. And, you know, and I forgot about all of that for a long time. I never realized how much I really enjoyed it until a roommate of mine um, had a personal project he had to do. He handed me his film camera and he needed um, certain images done. And, and he said, hey, would you do this for me? And so I started and I just caught myself so intrigued. Um, and I started creating, you know, cool compositions. And I'm shooting through the tree and through the branches and everything. And, you know, <laughs> I, and I, I finally saw him. He went to the dark room and he printed it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> I was so enamored by it and just um, started work, just really doing it as a hobby for several years. I would say about six years as a hobby. And then back in 2007, um, I was finishing my graduate degree and a friend of mine that's sitting in the class said she's getting married. And I thought, you know what? This is perfect with my schedule. I have a little boy. Um, I can just do this on the weekends and then do school during the day. And, and that's where I shot my first wedding. Oh. Just a student, a fellow student of mine. Yeah, so... It's a little bit different and a little bit similar than a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. um, the eight-year-old story, that's fun. It actually, Joey, reminds me of when I was about eight, we were on vacation camping and this other eight-year-old or so that was in the next campground over had a camera, uh, you know, just a point-and-shoot camera. And I grabbed my teddy bear and we went all over the little, it was actually a dry stream bed, but the streams and the trees and everywhere. And I was posing the teddy bear and taking pictures. And then I was devastated when I learned there was no film in the camera. But, oh, no. but I realized, you know, decades later, once I became a professional, that that like I was on fire for that and that I had that that love for telling stories with photography even back then so yeah thanks for reminding me of that you know that absolutely world. I um you know I grew up in a in a, in a family where in my culture family is such a big deal and our extended family probably about at least 300 people and you know, telling the story of people's relationships and really kind of how it unfolds on a wedding day and all the hugs and the joy and the tears and mm -hmm. people you just don't see forever. I just found myself just just really getting so much energy from it. Um, and I, I just love, love that energy. And that's why I'm still in it today. Yeah. So 
weddings are some of the things you still photograph? Absolutely. Yeah. It's still the main part of what I photograph. Um, and I'm going to, I'm expanding more now in the Dallas market, you know, I'm going to be expanding more into fine art portraiture as that's mm. always been a love as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with, with just the different things I'm doing with the education and the album company, and everything, it's actually allowing me to, to, to explore some of those areas, you know, mm. I, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you may not know this, but I did weddings for 12 years. You probably don't know it. And well, the stress of it eventually sort of ground me down like a pencil. <laughs> and I was happy to transition to being a children's portrait specialist. I miss what you just shared, the joy. I, I miss the dresses. I miss <laughs> that moment when like that emotion between them is like waving over the audience. And I've frequently cried as the photographer during weddings, because it is pretty special. So, Hey, so let's jump into the psychology of why people buy. And I want to understand it. And I'm sure I understand it intrinsically. Is that the right word? Uh, But I Mm -hmm. love your breakdown of the power of persuasion and the four corners of perceived value. I love yes. that. And uh, if you can like share it, well, I'll ask you some step-by-step things, but uh, before that, yeah, go for it. I, absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know, um, in this industry, you know, with all the groups that we're a part of and on Facebook and on different platforms, you know, you hear a lot of the same questions over and over again, right? And some people, you see them get immediate success. And you're just like, why? Why are they hitting $5,000, $10,000 averages? And why can I do it? And then, you know, if I don't know if, if you've ever done this, but as uh, when you're growing as a photographer, you're also looking at your competition. You're just like, wait a minute. I My work is just as good, maybe better. Why am I not making the money that other people are? And it just, we, we get confused. There's a lot of... Um, doubt that's that kind of comes in and and we don't know why it's happening right and we hear it and and lucy you see it all the time online people are confused as if why something doesn't work so i really started digging into wait a minute what what is the secret sauce why are some studios doing it and why are some not you know i was um i just did a webinar call from 2k to 20k uh the four corners of incredible perceived value and and it's really the story of where I started and who I'm serving today and how, what I needed to do in the business, right? Areas of the business were the most important in order for my pricing to come up, mm. right? And so um, I have found that sometimes it's not about just one thing. It's about a collection, a collective of things. It's about the synergy of different areas in the business that we need to focus on in order to support that pricing, mm-hmm. right? And that's where this idea, this thought of, okay, here are four areas that I believe are really, really important that we need to focus on so that we can support our pricing, we can support the growth, we can, we can really not just hang there, hang in with the market, but exceed our own expectations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about number one. What's the first pillar, Joey? 
Okay. So number one, I believe is your brand identity and your, and the messaging behind it. Okay. Now I know that's a conversation that comes up a lot, right? Who's your target market? What does your brand look like? What's your logo? What's your colors? What does your website look like? But it goes a little deeper than that. Um, and that's, that's why I think it's important because your brand becomes more than just images, colors, textures, logos. It is the promise that you're making to your client. When they see you, they get an impression. That impression they get is your brand. Yes. Now the, and, and it's not just the impression, but it's the values, the stories, the relationships, all put together. What your client is now saying about you becomes your brand. And if your brand is really strong, now the other areas can come up and it'll support it, if I that makes it. sense. Yes. One of the things that I see a lot and I, I love branding, Joey, I have this fun exercise that I do with my coaching clients. One is a craft project. The other is a visualization and the other is uh, putting out a request to get, uh, to get insight into how people perceive you. Mm -hmm. And one of my missions is to help people understand that branding isn't about the, what you just said, colors, images, logos. And it's also not about thinking about the client and what's going to attract them, but about me, my, what you said, values, stories, the experience of me, mm -hmm. and then how to package it to attract that ideal client. So I yes. am totally on board with that. I mean, if our, our um, colors that would be powerful for us are, let's say pink and green, that's kind of a, a nice color mm -hmm. scheme. Well, if our ideal clients are volume clients, lower perceived value, but easily consumed, Mm -hmm. That pink and green would need to be a brighter shade if we're wanting to attract people that are going to put $10,000 in our pocket, then that pink and green would have more subtleties of shade, the fonts we choose, all of that. But it all starts, as you said, with, with kind of that communicating from That's the right. inside out. So That's right. And you know, and a lot of times, if you want to really know what your brand is, start listening to what people are saying about you. Right. Because we think we're one thing, but, but unless it's confirmed by the audience, you're not that thing yet. Right. Right. And, and so it, go ahead. And I think a lot of people undervalue themselves and think they're just like everyone else. I, I do when I'm giving my branding class, I run a video from one of my favorite weird movies, Harold and Maude. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. That's your homework for the weekend. It's right. got to be on, on some streaming service somewhere. Yeah. And it, I'm not going into the story or anything, but uh, Ruth Gordon, one of my favorite actresses is with a much younger man she's 80 and he's in his 20s and they're walking through a field and he says something about feeling like he's just like everyone 
like the flowers and she's like oh no if you look at these flowers everyone's different one points to the left one points to the right one loses its petals and i think the troubles of the world are so many people think they're just like everyone else and don't realize you know their own individuality something like that so yeah so i think we're we're on the same page with that absolutely what is number two or is there is there more with that or can we get to that number two? Yeah, no, we can get to number two. You know, the only thing I, you know, the last thing I wanted to just touch on that is um, there are different parts of your branding that I think we have to focus on. And, you know, we talked about the website and the colors and, and those type of things, but your personality, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're where you position yourself in the market. That's part of your brand. Um, your ability and your performance. Actually, you know, if you're known to be a person uh, that shoots in a particular way. And also let's even say you turn your images around really quickly. It's always done very well, smooth. That part's a, a part of your brain. Right. And if you're a person that elicits a lot of emotion in your images, that's a part of your brain. So there's, there's, it's basically, it's like, how are we communicating and what are they, and what do people know us for? Right. So I think it's a great thing. But number two, um, Getting to number two is, I, I believe, is the second corner of our perceived value. It's the client experience. Mm. And what I mean by a client experience is what, what is your client being led through, right? Are, are, are there road bumps? Are there, is there resistance from the moment that you get a lead all the way through the end? Or are you creating a pathway that's inviting, that helps them to learn more about you, get excited, build anticipation. And then by the time it comes to the sales um, meeting or the sales, um, the IPS or in-person sales, that they're just ready to invest and spend money in you. Like, what is the process? What are you leading them through? So I think just understanding that that experience is so key that if we don't focus on that, and you're priced high, it creates this confusion, mm -hmm. right? Like if right. They, they came in and they see you priced as a wedding photographer, I, I can say if they're coming in and they're spending a certain amount of money, but it's a broken experience. I'm not setting expectations. I'm not answering mm -hmm. questions before they arise. I'm not making them feel special. What happens? Buyer's remorse. Ah. You see, and yeah. so eventually your reputation becomes a person who is charging too much, but is not worth it. Mm -hmm. That and makes total sense. So we have to start with like, let's say the first touch that people have with us might be what someone says, or if they find our website or what we're saying and doing on Facebook or something that that first impression of us Absolutely. has to feel like um if we're creating a luxury brand let's say and we want to get two to ten thousand dollars per portrait session that the what the website the wording the the way we answer the phone all of that needs to initially establish that we would be worth a significant investment a hundred percent and then in the journey of it Number two is that then that experience of working with us needs to match 
the the promise and the branding and and justify that pricing am i do i have that summary pretty absolutely you know and because if at some point let's say you okay i'll give you a really um specific detail so let's say a lead comes in and you're getting a lead through your website and a lot of people are doing this they get the lead through the website and the lead sits in your email Let's say you get 10 leads. You're a little overwhelmed that day. Kids are going crazy. You got 10,000 things to do. You're just like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Three days go by. That lead sits there. Okay. So now you have a client, a potential client who's really interested in your work and wants to hear back from you. But now you've waited 72 hours before getting back to a lead because your life is busy. Right? Do you Uh think you're really going to show a high perceived value there? Are you, do you, are you worth it at that point? Now they're worried that you're going to be too busy for everything else. Right. So right, what's right. some of the things you can do? So like, this is where I think automation and workflows are so key, right? Setting up uh-huh. a system where your lead gets an email immediately, maybe in a, a questionnaire goes out, right? Um, and there are things that I do to immediately connect with the client, make them feel special. Right. And then, mm-hmm. and then, and I, I get a lot of times from my clients said, wow, you were the first one to respond, mm-hmm. you know, and, you, uh-huh. and cause, cause research shows that there are, if you respond within the first hour of very, any inquiry, they're actually seven times more likely to have a more meaningful conversation. Wow. Interesting. And that's a major part of the client experience. Yes. Uh, and to me, that first touch point being something that's personal, friendly, invite them to get on the phone, you know, establish the not, okay, here's the answers to questions. Here's my pricing. Do you want to book me? Exactly. That may work for some people. I think yeah. it can work at a lower price point. Because uh, if you're such a great value in that price point, I don't, well, I was going to say, I don't think people expect you to be uh, giving high-end luxury service if they're not paying very much. But honestly, I don't know about you, but I've found that the people who pay the least are often the ones that expect the most, Uh, but that's a different conversation. Very true. You know, but because um, let me put it this way, right? Just to help people understand what what you just said there. The reason that is because the way we um, look at money, value money, it's different, right? If I had a thousand dollars to spend and that's all I had, that thousand dollars to me feels like five thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Because you know, I, I was originally thinking that it was 600, 700, but I'm, I'm, I'm making myself spend a thousand. And now it's kind of like, I own you, <laughs> you know, it's right. like, now you owe me everything. Yeah. But when you're in a different segment of the market, um, they have things that they will invest in. That's our luxury items that they have a little bit more expendable income. They have the room to make decisions on things they love value. Um, differently. So when they spend five grand, they see that as, oh my gosh, I would have spent double for the experience that I just had. Mm. 
You see, so it's a yes. different mentality in the different segments, which makes sense. I don't blame anybody in any part of it. It's just what it is. Yes. But we that, have to make a decision. That is so brilliant. Um, you know, it's just something I've pondered. Now, I also think there's a factor if we are very low priced, I think it's harder to trust someone as being super professional and that maybe uh, like, let's say I hire somebody, let's say a, a handyman instead of a contractor, I might feel if I didn't know the person, like I needed to sort of watch them closer than if I was paying five times that amount, I would assume a, a level of professionalism. Um, you know, that may or may not be one of the, one of the reasons, but I've pondered. I agree. Why sometimes in that lower price point, they're less trusting that everything is going well. So you know, anything more about client experience or can we jump into number three? Yeah. You know, I would say at least think about, um, if we were to convey right on our websites or in a phone call, what experience the client's going to have, and then we back it up and we exceed those expectations, then pricing, they will mentally justify the pricing. And I always try to say our whole journey with the client is to help them go from a money mindset to a meaning mindset. Mm. And part of that, is this experience because we need to walk them through a journey that accentuates the things that have value. And in order to accentuate those things, you need to be the first thing of value, what your relationship is, how you set expectations, how you help them through the process. You become the value and everything else falls in place. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I also think that, so one of my commitments in life is to hang out with people that assume the best in every intention that I have. And so I think it, it fits here that, let me see how I'm trying to connect the dots, that if they're all in with me on any level, a friend, a potential coaching client, a potential photography client, my neighbor, whatever, then there is, there's, I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? There's, there's more willingness to kind of let us not have to be perfect or that anyway, assuming like if we do something that, that we meant to do that, or that we are going to come, going to come through or, yeah, you know, that we've got, so I guess establishing that ground relationship of right. trust in each other, that's the word trust. Easier. Like then if you are accidentally 10 minutes late, they don't think that's it. Oh, what a good point. What a yeah. good point. And it's that like, that is the thing. So you, we build enough goodwill, right? Enough value as a person, enough credibility as a person that those little things aren't that big of a deal. That's such a good point, Lucy. Like if you're 10 minutes late, some people are going to like hold that against you forever. <laughs> yes. right? But if you have treated them really well, it just rolls off their back. They don't care. Yeah. You know, and they get it because they know I'm a good person. I'm dependable. Exactly. They like me. I like them. You know, they trust my professionalism and have that grace 
that, you know, stuff happens sometimes. And even (laughs) I ran out of gas. I was going (laughs) to uh, be an hour early and ran out of gas. My, my current car, there's no grace. If it is on zero, you're done. done. And luckily, you know, luckily the phone service was working. And when they got there, um, you know, I was like, I'm out of gas on the freeway. And it, because I was in the middle of nowhere, it took 40 minutes for AAA to come with more gas, but (laughs) they were not mad at me. You know, that's right. They just, that's right. And they ordered well, and we had a great experience and yeah. All right. So let us go to number three. Cause number three, now here's where, you know, this is actually goes back to the question you asked online was about pricing. So number three is what I call intelligent pricing. Okay. Um, because at this point now there's four pillars and, and my point of the four corners is in order to raise perceived value of your service, of you as a person, of your final outcome, right? The final product, these four areas need to come up together in synchrony. Right. So I can't raise, if just talking about the last two, I can't raise my pricing to a certain level without a better brand message. I can't raise it without raising the level of the client experience. You see, now you could, if you just wanted to raise it a hundred bucks, sure, you can try that. But I'm talking about real changes, right? Right. I'm talking about changes that really affect your bottom line and the success of your business. And so now you have to think about the way you do your pricing. Okay. Because pricing is positioning. If you are priced really high, you position yourself in a particular market, but if your experience and your brand message doesn't correlate, guess what? When they click your ad and they go and they're looking at everything else, confusion sets in. Right. It doesn't make sense anymore. There's a lack mm-hmm. of trust, mm-hmm. right? But if your price so low and you're suppo- and you have this like high end experience, again confusion sets in. Now I'm thinking there's something wrong. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I've had that experience of, let's say somebody, um, by the way, I'd love for people to join my private group, the profitable photographer. So I'm going to say that one more time. So by the way, I would love for you listeners to join the profitable photographer to private group on Facebook. Uh, so let's say somebody says they'd like to join and I go to their website and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. The work is beautiful. Um, I feel like maybe I should uh, go get my great grand nephew and have them help me photograph. And then they put their pricing on and it's super low. I feel this like wah, 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 that either for me, either they don't understand their value or you can't really trust that they are who they seem to be at first glance. Exactly, exactly. And you start to wonder, why, why do they do it? Is there something missing? Are they going to handle my files properly? Um, Mm -hmm. Am I going to lose images? Um, Are they just, you know, something has to give. And because in this industry, and we know by certain benchmarks and standards that we have to make a certain amount, right? It -hmm. goes towards business expenses, plus profit, plus what we put back into the business. And so 
if your price really low, you're hurting yourself. You're not able to give that great experience. You're not able to brand yourself in a particular way because you can't afford it. Right. You so, know, and or to treat your clients the way they they deserve to be treated. I've had right. to told my client tell my clients before who were bargaining. I said, if I lower my price, it would absolutely be a disservice to you because I wouldn't be able to serve you the way that I believe you should be served. Mm. That's a you beautiful know, and that's line. The truth. Uh, so listeners, pause that and write that down <laughs> and tape <laughs> it up somewhere. That genius. That is that sincere. That's sincere. Yeah, I know, I know it is. That's the, the best uh, handling objection responses are coming from sincerity. For sure. So how about if you go, you know, you're wanting to purchase something and you go to a website and, and their pricing is really high, but they don't like, you don't see evidence of why, like, tell me, tell me about that end of it. Exactly. Exactly. So let's just say, um, (laughs) let's just say, uh, let's take a brand out there. Let's take Gucci, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And we take a brand like Gucci or Versace or Louis Vuitton or any of these brands. And, and then we know, hey, a Louis Vuitton purse, it's going to run us anywhere from like 1500 to who knows what, right? It goes way higher, uh, four grand. But then we go to the website and the website is using old technology. The, it's not clean. It's cluttered. It's hard to get around. It's hard to see what the pricing is. It's hard to make an order. Right. It's like the client experience. It's not it's not easy. There's too many roadblocks. And you're just wondering, like, what is going on? Is this fake? Mm-hmm. Is this is this right. really what it is? Right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Or let's say for photography, um, you go and you're looking at the website and the website from like the you know early 2000s and it's flash and it's, you know, uh, it just barely any content, no messaging. Um, there's, there's, it just looks archaic or it's not giving me anything more than pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. Then it falls flat. I I have failed to convey my why. Yes. And why has so much value in it. Right. And so I have to then lead people through an experience that reaffirms their beliefs. So let me put that another way. My job and I, and I explain this to all of my mentees and anyone that's willing to listen. Your job from the moment that they get on your website, if you do a really good job of making a brand promise, our job through the whole client experience and through the pricing is to reaffirm the promise that you made initially through the whole client experience. Okay, and what I mean by that is, in the first 30 seconds, if get, they got an idea that, oh my gosh, he looks great or high end or wow, they are so genuine and fun and there's so much emotion. Now that's the initial thought. Right. But what if they went through the whole process with you and you never reaffirmed that? Let's say you're just uh, wasn't, you just weren't a fun person, <laughs> right? Right. And you were really dry and there was no connection points. Guess what? The initial promise you made it goes away Mm. they forget about it so our job if i'm high-end and lux and it shows that way and they felt that way in the beginning i have to reaffirm that on the phone call through emails 
through the shoot, through the sales experience, and finally through the products and my packaging and everything I deliver. Because if I did a good job reaffirming all the way, now in their mind, I have a solid brand. Right. And now you said final, but I'm going to add to that because sure. it's not the final is not the packaging. It's what happens after. So thank you cards. Thank you gifts, phone calls to say, Hey, absolutely. Um, I purchased a luxury bed, a latex bed. Latex is it's, it's awesome as a material. Yes. I'm the princess in the pea, so trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily we had three supposedly luxury in-person shops that sell the latex bed. And it was just like the perfect thing. There was good, better, best, but their products are all identical. Like it's foam. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And the first one I went to was kind of medium luxury experience it was good. I would happily purchase from them. Then the next one, same beds, but the experience, the environment, the way they treated me, the, the salesperson while I'm laying on the bed, taking a phone call from her grandmother, um, people talking so loud, I couldn't hear. Uh, it felt dusty, dirty. And then the one that I purchased from, it was like walking into, like if Disneyland sold <laughs> sold mattresses. Oh, that's great. Everything lit beautifully, the branding, the colors, the friendliness, the way she was dressed. And then, of course, you know, I purchased from them. And then this beautiful package comes after I've got my bed with like pamper spa things and a thank you. And that's amazing. And the, the one, you know, the, the good, I drove by their store recently and there was a big going out of business sign. Hmm. <laughs> Wonder <laughs> why. So, yeah, yes, you're so right. It, you, we just, because you know what that, that, that um, ends up being, uh, it ends up giving you referrals. It ends up, uh, you know, more goodwill and it just strengthens your brand. And continues yes. to do it. So you're so right. Yes. And if any one of those, like the the one I purchased from the environment was beautiful, but if the salesperson had been grouchy, unpleasant, I wouldn't have bought from that. Or if I did, it would have been only because they had what I wanted. Yeah. But I wouldn't feel so good about it. Like every every night when I am able to be more comfortable and drift off to sleep. I think happily about oh, that's amazing. people that sold it to me. So Lucy, that, that actually is a perfect um, example of, of they price their mattresses, not based on the latex, but they base it on the outcome. And your outcome is being able to sleep beautifully, right? Yes. And they are putting the value on your sleep and not on the product. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So let's tie that into photography. A lot of us are pricing ourselves based on the hours, based on the paper we print on, based on our cost of goods. And we are communicating our value based on these tangible things, right? But what if we communicated value based on the outcome, based on what it means to their family? Mm. What, how this is generational, how it's showing their story, how it's 
how it means more to them. Because photography is the one thing I know of, Lucy, that gains value the older it gets. Oh, minute by minute. Minute by minute, right? My little nephew, who I was there at his birth and cut the cord. And then when he was two months old, I visited them again and I have portraits. And that precious little dude that could like floppy sleep on my shoulder, he's gone forever. Now he's a babbling, giggling, bouncy, <laughs> nine month old. And that little dude's going to be gone. So exactly. Yes, exactly. So I do not want to run out of time. And so let's jump to number four. Can yes. We? Okay. So, so at this point, now that we have your brand message and your brand story down. Now that we have crafted a great experience and our pricing is positioning us in the right place, then there's a lot more to the pricing psychology, as you know. Yes. Um, and the last thing I believe in order to support your pricing, in order to support everything else and go in line with it, is I believe that you have to offer, as a full service studio, offer products, products, prints, um, and have an in a, uh, a sales process that values more than just digital files. Yes. Okay. Um, for me, that is so, so key. And it's because if we are not valuing the things that stand the test of time, right, they won't either. Right. And so your printed artwork can radically raise your profits. You are leaving thousands upon thousands of dollars on the table if you are not offering printed work, whether that's folio boxes, albums, or, um, or wall art, right? It really doesn't matter. And honestly, Lucy, it is the reason why we built Serendipity Albums um, because we believed in the printed product so much and we wanted to be so genuine and sincere about handing what we call an archival or heirloom album to someone that we weren't satisfied with what was being built out there, right? A lot mm -hmm. of companies are calling them heirloom albums because of the product, but they're using MDF boards and they're using PVCs and silicone and chemical-based glues and processes that really aren't ever used in true archival products. You're not going to see PVC at an antique shop. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're not going to see books in the library that are over a hundred years old with MDF in it. Right. You're not. And we knew that. And we said, you know what? I just, we don't have the heart to hand over a product to someone claim this to be a generational product and it starts breaking down on you 10 years down the road. So that's where serendipity albums was born. And that's how much I believe mm. in the pro in, in printed products. It's, it's a necessity. We have to believe in the product first, then you can sell it with passion. So yes, I want to share a little about our conversation about your serendipity albums. Um, in just a sec, um, but I think what that emphasizes in this number four, first of all, having a sales process. Absolutely. And then offering luxury heirloom products, working with a, a 
a lab that is like I use Mid-South Color Lab. They mm-hmm. use Kodak paper. Kodak gives a lifetime warranty. Um, everything is washed right. You know, everything is produced mm-hmm. so that it will last for a long, long time, assuming right. people don't drive over it with a truck or put it in a south facing <laughs> window. Uh, full right. blast, you know, there's limits, sure. to that. but that part of being perceived value is also being able to communicate why what we are printing is worth more than what they can get on their own. Like exactly. I use the canvassing. That's the real canvassing where it's stripped off the paper backing and glued onto artist canvas guilds canvas does this as well there's Mm -hmm. just a few companies that still do that so that being said in the album world um uh, like my biggest regret is that i out of my let's say 500 weddings i did 400 of them were from they're out of business so i'll just say it leather craftsmen no art leather sorry 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 art leather and they were a manufactured product and many of them just became sticky gluey horrible messes and mm-hmm. i was trying to save my client about $200 and a little bit of work on my part for um not using the the album company that was doing the quality as you do. So when you and I had our discussion about your albums and I learned that you were doing the processes that I insist on for what, what I offer my clients, I was super excited about that. And especially with albums, like we don't want to make our decisions on the products we offer based on who makes it the cheapest because in the long run it it reflects on on us and we need to also be able to justify like why would i charge a thousand dollars for let's say a 16 by 20 well you know they can get that for 20 bucks somewhere but and if it costs me 12 dollars more to use the lab that i use big deal right so Anyway, Doesn't that we, tie right back into what we just talked about pricing? Yes, and the only absolutely. reason you can't afford it is because you haven't set your pricing up for profit, right? Right. And, and looking at your numbers, your cost of goods, making sure you're under a certain percentage so that we can offer these uh, beautiful actual heirlooms to to clients. Right. You know, and think about it. You know, you just mentioned a south facing uh, window. Think about uh, a, a canvas that isn't done well. And how long it would last with, right. with the humidity changes, like in a place like Texas, you know, yes. how long would it really last? Or an album that gets handled over and over and over and over more than any other product you will ever sell. Right. Yes. It has yes. to stand up to the test of time. Yes. And I've had to replace many of those art leather albums. And then the company went out of business. So now I can't replace it free because the company's not there to help replace it free because they gave a lifetime warranty but they're out of business so exactly. i'd rather start with something that's actually going to 
I don't know, live up to the promise Mm -hmm. (laughs) rather than hoping that decades later, uh, some company can, can replace it. Yeah. So Joey, oh my gosh, I wish we had another hour and maybe (laughs) jump on another, you know, conversation at some point. But for now, um, I know, okay, I have two questions to wrap up here. So first off, how do we get in touch with you? And I know that you have something you want to offer our listeners. So absolutely. You know, I, it's easy to get in touch. Um, so my email address, I'll give you that. It's Joey, just J-O-E-Y at S-A-L-B-U-M-S.com. That's salbums.com. Joey at salbums.com. And you can email me there anytime. Um, and so that's one way. And then what I want to give you is um, I have my webinar from 2K to 20K, it's a free webinar. Um, I have sent you the link, Lucy, so you can share that with the listeners. Mm -hmm. And um, that webinar is so jam packed with information, knowledge, right? About these four areas. And, and even we break it down. We even thought, talk about the theory of persuasion, what's in it. We break down uh, pricing psychology and some of the different things like charm pricing and prestige pricing. There mm. is so much information, guys. And so jump on that link, register. Uh, it was live. It was live already, but you, the replay is available to you. And you can reach out to me any single time. And if you guys email me, um, I will also offer you an additional 10% off on your sample albums that are already 35% off. Oh, wow. That is really generous. Thank you, Joey, for that extra 10%. Who can't use that? Okay. So my last question is, it's basically, I want to know your final word. So either if there's something you didn't share or if there is a wrap up that you want to leave us with, what would that be? Well, it's, it's the final, the final thought is about perceived value, right? Um, Because you are only worth what both you believe what you're worth and what your client believes what you're worth. It starts with you. Mm. And, and if you believe that what you offer transcends the cost of, of the paper and your time, and you communicate that in a sincere and authentic way to your clients, trust me, it's like, if there's such a thing as magic guys, that's what it is. Mm. That sincerity translates into this beautiful relationship and they will buy into your vision happily and would joyfully buy in yeah. to your vision. And okay. your perceived value goes through the roof. You just have to make sure that everything comes up together. Right. And don't overshoot so far. Like if you're at $1,000 today, don't go to five tomorrow without touching on some of these other areas that we talked about. Right. And I guess if I was going to add number five to your four pillars, <laughs> Or maybe it's the, if this is a a chair, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe the part you actually sit on is, (laughs) sorry, it just got funny little pictures in my mind, Um, is, is what you just said that we need to continually believe that we're worth it. Yes. Because I think 
no matter how many of the other four things are in place beautifully, if we don't believe that what we offer is highly valuable, exactly, then it's people will feel that, you know, that that little insecure in our voice when we say what our pricing is. If we mm-hmm. don't fully believe that we're worth that, uh, that can upend the whole chair and we can be on the ground <laughs> wondering <laughs> yeah. what happened. Exactly. Joey, thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you for having me. This was so much fun, Lucy. We yeah. definitely have to do it again. Absolutely. And um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to actually see the serendipity albums in person. Yes. And um, we will, I'll, I'll see you in Facebook, if not sooner. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you around. Thank you so much. I hope you learned a lot in that conversation. I love the tips that he shared and it got me thinking of things in sort of a different organized way. So again, grateful to Joey for being on the show. Before I do my wrap up, I just want to remind you that I have the Profitable Photographer Sales Academy available to you, the 12 episode course that you receive over six weeks, and it's step by step. So how you become a great salesperson, what you do on the phone, what you do at a consultation, how you photograph and plant the seeds for the purchase of wall portraits, what you do in the sales room. And then there are two episodes on handling objections, because the truth is that's where we sink or swim with being able to have a great sale. Okay. So here is a little bit of wrap up. He talked about the psychology of why people buy and understanding the art of persuasion and what he calls the four corners of perceived value. And he asked the question, why are some people getting a lot of sales fast in their business? And his answer is, it's not usually about one thing, but a synergy of different areas of the business. So number one, there's a clear brand identity and messaging behind it. Uh, It's more than the colors or the logos. It's the promise that we're making to our clients our value stories, what people are saying about us. That's our branding identity. Number two, the client experience we create for our clients. We lead them on a path that's inviting. And as I know very well, and this is uh, the journey that I teach you in the Profitable Photographer Sales Academy, preparing them so that they are ready to purchase during the sales session. And automation and workflow is important and setting up expectations. So he said, I like this, from money mindset to meaning mindset is how we accomplish sales. Number three on the four corners of perceived value is intelligent pricing. And he talks about how without better brand messaging, we can't just raise our prices. Our pricing positions us He talked about how our pricing can show the value of the outcome. And then number four is the products and prints and the sales process that helps our clients value more than digital files, if that's what your product is. And this applies to anyone selling, but having the clients understand what the offer is and why it's valuable. 
And then his final thought was about perceived value. We are worth what we believe first. And then that's what our clients believe. So again, thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. And we're going to have the 100th episode very soon. So keep an eye out for that. All right. Have a great whatever week, month, year. (laughs) And I'm sending you a great big hug. Okay. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.